Hello, my friends. Brett Patterson coming at you from the financial capital of the West Salt Lake City, Utah, joined by the chairman. How you doing, Brett? I am doing fantastic good. today, Brian. In good. fact, market had a good day. It's had a good year. We'll talk about that another time. What I want to talk about, what we want to talk about, is you came into the office this morning, you walked in, and you asked me a question. And then we talked for probably... I don't know, an hour um, uh, around this question and, and, and how obviously it pertains to clients because it's about clients. Right. And I want to ask that question and have that similar conversation with you right now. Okay. Because the one thing we wished we would have done is just had microphones on us earlier as we were talking about it. Hit record. Hit record. Yeah. So we're recording now. So here's the question you asked me. Two years ago... In March of 21, here was the scenario. The two-year, this is crazy, by the way. The two-year at 0.13%, inflation at 2.6%, and the 10-year at 1.42. Okay, so I'll say that again. 2.6 inflation, 1.42, 10, and two-year 0.13. Under that, situation a client comes to you or a potential client or whatever they say i have a million dollars to invest what would you put me in what would your answer be back then well number one would be what's your objective what are you trying to do with this money that's that's a question you always ask and when the market's good i mean let's be honest the market was good back then and when the market's good people nine times out of ten say i want growth yeah because everyone's feeling optimistic because the market's good so that's my response i want growth yeah um at at the time fixed income conservative investments just didn't make a whole lot of sense the only reason we one of the main reasons we bought fixed income say two years ago or even really the last decade was really to dampen volatility. It wasn't. It was the objective was not to get a return on your money, maybe a return of your money, but not a return on your money. If yeah. you, if you understand what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's that was kind of the scenario back then. Today, the world has changed dramatically. Today, we have. So so wait. So back then, sorry to cut you off, but no, back good. then, somebody says, "I want growth." Uh, that's my objective because again, most people in a bullish environment feel optimistic. That's, yeah. So whether they need growth or not, nine times out of 10, they say, I want growth. So what would you have invested in back then? Well, if somebody wants growth, uh, that's, that's, that's how we would have, that's the portfolio we would have recommended. Stocks. Is, is, yeah, stocks. Own stocks. Own Are business. The best own, businesses in the world. Yeah. Our four criteria, our process. Right. We okay. we buy businesses. We're business owners. And, and that's what we'd recommend. Yeah. And that's what we did recommend. And that's what, that's, yeah, absolutely. Right now, we have a two-year at um, two-year, 4.81%. Mm-hmm. A 10-year at 
what's the 10 year now? 4.08%. So just over 4%. Okay. Okay. So two year at 4.8, 10 year 4%, inflation 6.5%, 6.4%. Okay. What would you do for clients now? Wanting growth? Yeah. That's still the same question. Wanting growth. Yeah. Um, I still believe stocks is your best option if you want growth uh, for a long-term investor. Yeah. And uh, so it really hasn't changed. But with that said, the world has changed. Financial markets have changed dramatically over the last two years. Dramatically. Yeah. Um, one of the calculations, one of the one of the key calculations, uh, inputs in calculating the value of a business is the discount rate. And the discount rate is the risk-free rate of return, which is the U.S. 10-year. Usually, we use the U.S. 10-year treasury. So two years ago, the 10-year was at, uh, remind me again, what was 1. it? 1.42. 1.42. Today, 4.08. Today, 4.08. Yeah. Now, inflation is still high, so you're still losing 6. money. 6.4. Yeah, inflation Explain that. I'm still losing money. What do you mean? Well, so inflation, the the cost of goods and services is right now averaging about an annual increase of about six point four two percent on every year. Yeah. And if you so if you buy it, say a ten year treasury or a two year treasury at four four five percent, uh, you're going to lose two two and a half percent annually on your purchasing power. So you're not going to keep up. Now, the question is, the big question is, the million-dollar question is, where will inflation be a year from now, two years from now, five years from now? If you believe inflation is going to go down, I do. I believe it will over the next, I don't know how long. Is it six months before we get back down to where we, I, I don't know that inflation is going to get down to, so prior, the 10-year prior to the last couple of years, it, inflation averaged between 1% and 2%. Yeah. Just fluctuate between 1% and 2%. About the same as the 10-year. I, a little, know, the tenure was a little bit better, but not much. Go back 20, 30 years ago when I was new in the business, uh, inflation, the, the number we always used was about 3% inflation. Now, we haven't had 3% inflation up until recently. Yeah. It's been a long time. So here's what happens, though. And here's where the conversation and really the biggest question comes in. Is those clients that came to us two years ago feeling optimistic because everything was going higher. They're now saying, oh, man, I don't know about all these, you know, I don't know about the volatility of the market. Even though the market's rallied this year, everyone still is expecting, because everyone's so pessimistic, the market to fall. Right. So now those same people are coming back saying, you know what? I don't know, man. I think that this and this is going to happen and the market's going to fall another 20%. I better move into fixed income. Okay. Okay. So there's two things to that. Number one, no one knows what the market's going to do. Number two, would you move people that were invested in stocks in our all cap portfolio or our Zion's growth portfolio? Would you move those people now? Okay. You've got a two year at, you know, 4.8. Would you start transitioning that portfolio to be more fixed income? Because now there is fixed income. If they wanted it. So this is the conversation we had. Yep. And I would tell people, I, wh what we want to do is give people the facts and give them our advice. But ultimately, 
It's the client's decision on how their money's invested. Okay, so give me the facts here. The facts are long-term, I believe, well, and- What's long-term? Long-term, three, five, 10 years. Okay. Stocks, owning businesses will be, you'll get your best reward owning businesses over the next three, five, and 10 years. So our, to your point, since 1999, our core businesses, right? Our portfolio of stocks, the best businesses in the world, has averaged just over 10%. For the sake of math, let's say it's averaged 10%. Give or take. Let's give or take. Yeah. Yep. Some, somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay. Somewhere around 10%. That's, that's the baseline. And we know that average returns are never average, meaning we hardly ever see a 10% year. Right. But that's the annualized number. Right. Okay. So that's 10%. So when you say just the facts, Explain that more to me when when somebody says and we and you had this conversation with a client just the other day, yesterday, yesterday, yeah. And I have had this conversation several times this week already, and we did a podcast kind of on it last time. What's the facts? Well, so I think it be might be helpful to tell a little bit about my conversation yesterday with a client because Do I, I don't yeah. think I don't think it's unique. I think the way he was feeling is very common among a lot of our clients and investors out there. So we recently uh, have been rebalancing portfolios. We do that about once a month based on our research, what, you know, what stocks yeah. we feel like are the best buys. We call it bi-week. We call it bi-week. Yeah. And uh, we added to one of our positions, it happened to be Amazon. And uh, That's not a recommendation. Right, not a recommendation, but we added, in his portfolio, we bought some Amazon. And he, and he asked, he says, why are you buying Amazon? I mean, it, you know, this, this economy's terrible. Um, we, recession's coming. There, there's got to be a recession uh, sometime in the future before to, to, yeah. to kick, out, kick uh, inflation. And, uh, and I said, well, the reason we bought Amazon is because we believe it's a good buy. We believe the value there is attractive. And we looking out the next looking out over three years out from now, five years out from now, we think it'll be we'll look back and say, hey, that was a good purchase. Great purchase. Yeah. Yeah. Six months from now, I don't know. You know, we don't just don't know what Amazon's gonna do day to day or any stock, what what it's gonna do or business, the price of the business will do from day to day. But we're looking out, we're long-term investors, we're looking out three, five, and ten years. And I believe that a, a company like Amazon, if Great business, competitive advantages, great management will be a good purchase. And his response was? Well, he just felt like, hey, the next six months, the next year, it's going to be really tough and we'll get a chance to buy it cheaper. And I'd say, well, that's possible. It might happen. You know, I've heard Buffett over the years say that um, he doesn't base his investment decisions based on what his, the fork, what his forecast or anybody's forecast is for the future. If a business is attractive and makes sense and looks attractive, the price, and it's a great business, he buys it yeah. regardless of what the forecasts are so, because it's impossible. He said in his last annual report, he said forecasts are worth or less, less than useful. So I think that was something like that. They're less than useful or something yeah. to that, that it was, 
But I mean, forecasts, as we know, we've talked about before, they're impossible to make. They're not, they, what they do is they actually cause people to freeze deer in the headlights and overanalyze and say, instead of saying, hey, Amazon makes sense, let's buy it because it's a good business and the price is right. And then, but a lot of times people say, well, it's going to get cheaper next week or the week after they think. And nobody knows. And you don't know. I've been doing this for 30 years. I promise nobody knows what so, it's going to do. So this particular client wanted to go more in out of stocks into fixed income. Yes. Okay. So what was, what's the facts around that when you say just the facts? Well, I mean, the facts are, in my mind, these, these, are, these are the facts. I mean, I don't know if you can say these are, we can't say that the stocks for sure, the fact is a fact that you'll make money, more money in stocks than you will in bonds over the next decade. I, I would take that bet. I believe oh, I would that, every day. Yeah, I believe that's the case. But so that in my mind, when I say the facts that that's and, and historically stocks have outperformed bonds. You know, if you believe interest rates are going to go up, guess what? Bond prices are going to go down. We, bonds had a terrible year last year. Now, one of the worst in history. One of the one of the worst in history. So bonds, but bond prices are down. So bonds look more attractive today. I'll, I so you I can do get believe a two year at four point eight percent. A lot of people will say, "Hey, carve off twenty percent of my portfolio, move it into something I can get four point eight percent on right now." Good move, bad move. Well, I mean, that's that's what we, yeah. I I think, like I said earlier, I believe. I'm asking the questions now. Earlier, you were asking the questions. Yeah. This is kind of fun. I I believe <laughs> that stocks. I've said this before. Stocks will do better than bonds over the next three, you know, 10 years or so. Um, but when I, when I talk about facts, we, we, I think we lay out the information as we know it today, as we know it. And, and then it's ultimately up to the client to decide what they're comfortable with. And I, I yeah. think that's really the gist of our conversation yeah. is, you know, ultimately it's the client's decision. We, we, they're adults. And we give them the information. We can give them our opinion and our analysis. And then ultimately they decide how, you know, what allocation yeah. or what they're comfortable with. And uh, so that the, was our conversation. The, the hard part about it is that these questions and comments come up, come up, come to us when there's volatility in the market, right? More so downside volatility than upside volatility. Mm -hmm. So if the market's down, the nine out of 10 clients that wanted growth two years ago, now you've got five out of the 10 that say, whoa, whoa, hold up. I don't want the growth because it's too volatile now and I can't, I can't deal with it. So now cut half of that portfolio that was in stocks and lock it into a two-year at 4.8. That's, that's what happens when there's volatility. So there's, there's so many things to unpack from what I just said, right? There's the psychology of, of, uh, of the value of your account. What do I mean by that? Client starts out with a million bucks. We tell people, we're pretty straight up with people, and we say at some point in the next five years, you're probably going to see a 30% haircut, right? That's historically what it's been. So your million-dollar account if mil if one million is a starting point, 
could go down to 700,000 in the next, I don't know, five years or whatever that time frame is. I don't know. I mean, that's making the assumption that maybe at the very beginning, if you start with a million and and then it, you know, then you have a downturn. It could go down thirty like, percent. That would be terrible timing. Like twenty twenty two. Yeah, but, January twenty twenty two. Right. I mean, if you if you start at that point, but uh, so what happens psychologically to people if their account goes down thirty percent? But I mean, there, people are always anchoring. Whether you start with a million, it goes to one point five, and then it drops. 30%. Explain that what that means. So they they look at the you know the highest value, whatever it was, the the, the high point. So you, let's say you start with a million dollars and it grows to 1.2 million. And then now that's your- My value is 1.2. Yeah, that's your, and then, and then it goes down 30%. And, you know, you're, so you're down 360,000, you know, something in that neighborhood. Yeah. And- uh, It's at that moment. What did Warren Buffett say? If you can't- what, he, he said that uh, if you're, and he, said, he was pretty blunt. He says, if you're going to do stupid things <laughs> when stock prices go down, and, and by stupid, he means sell stocks. If you're going to sell your, then you shouldn't own stocks. There's, it shouldn't own businesses. Yeah. And I think that's the, the message that I wanted to get across when we were talking earlier is some people just don't have the temperament, maybe, to own all stocks, and uh, even though that's the right medicine, if you're if you're trying to build wealth, owning a business, there's no better way. If you look at the yeah. wealthiest people in the world, the common denominators they own businesses: Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. I mean, all these guys they own businesses. That's how they build wealth. So. Yeah, none of us are going to be Warren Buffett or Bill Gates and, you know, be the richest, top 10 richest people in the world. Yeah. But hey, in our own little world, we can build our own little wealth, our own nest egg. And that's, and we can kind of copy what they do. And that's, that's, that's basically what we are doing. We, we're business owners and that's the best way to build wealth. At a 10% annualized return. You're gonna, That's how you compound your money you're every double, seven years. Yeah, every seven years. You double your money. You double your money. So right now you've got a, a two-year at 4.8%, and I hear all over CNBC how great that is. And I think to myself, okay, in two years, where do we think inflation is going to be? Three? I I mean, it's going to be lower, but yeah. Two, I, two and a half? I think it'll be lower. Three? Could be, yeah. Let's say it's three. Okay. Okay. You lock in a 4.8% two-year treasury. Inflation goes down to three. Okay. You're not making 4.8%. No. Your real return is 1.8% before taxes. Mm -hmm. But, okay, this is where I'm talking about the facts. I think you lay that, we lay this out for clients. Yes. Which we have. And then ultimately, it's say, hey. Do, and this is what Warren Buffett's talking about. Yeah. My portfolio is down 20%, 15%, you know, 10%, whatever the number is. And I say, I can't handle the volatility. Okay. The alternative is we can get you into a two year at 4.8 or a bond or whatever it is, 4.8. Let's even say 5%. We can get you into a product giving you 5% mm -hmm. over the next few years. But inflation's going to, right now it's a loser because inflation's 6.4. But if inflation gets down in the next two years to 3%, you're making 
2% on your money. Yeah. Right? That again, before taxes, can you live on 2%? I 2% growth. To me, no. <laughs> but that's me. Right. I'm a and you got to understand people listening. I'm I'm all into to stocks and not just stocks but options. And so I handle more volatility than most. That's where I'm coming at, coming at it from, but it just it just doesn't make sense to me. Right. And I think I think you can communicate we communicate that with clients ultimately it's you know, up to them. It's up to them. Yeah. So if so if somebody just they just can't handle the volatility and they've been in stocks and we explain all this to them um and they still can't sleep at night, okay, well then we'll buy you some treasuries but or bonds but understand what you're giving up. Yeah. Potentially at the end or of of a bear market beginning of Hopefully, I don't know if it's the beginning of a bull market or not, but the, at the beginning of a new bull market, like don't throw in the towel and settle would be what I would say. Yeah. But if they want to settle, right, we'll I let mean, them settle. We don't have a choice. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the, that's, that's the way it is, yeah. you know, yeah, that, well, but, but real quick, before we wrap up that anchoring thing that you talked about is wreaking havoc to a lot of people and whether their starting point, let's say that somebody started at 500,000, their account goes to a million. Okay. And now it's at 900,000. They anchored their minds to 1 million. I can't dip below a million. It dips below a million to, to 900,000. Like what, it's it's a bad practice. It's really a bad habit to anchor. You know, I've I've told uh, several clients over the years that always always just shave off twenty percent off of the current value and say, hey, you know, I could it could easily go down twenty or thirty percent from here. Am I okay with that? Yeah. And you, if you're not, then you sh- probably shouldn't be in stocks. I mean, yeah. that's or you that's should be line. have a loss a lot less stocks than what you currently have. Because that's one of the things you have to accept by owning publicly traded stocks, businesses, which the best, the, one of the great things about owning publicly traded stocks and businesses is they are the best businesses in the world. They are, and we have a chance to own the best businesses in the world and invest right the alongside s- the Buffett. The smartest people in the world. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We're investing right alongside Buffett and other really, really smart people, great businesses. But if you if you can't handle the the volatility and the swings in the market, then you should ask yourself, hey, you know, maybe I don't want maybe growth is not really what I want. I want a little bit of growth, maybe more stability. I'm willing yeah. to take less growth, and that's the case. Then I'm I'm willing to to make less money. In order to have my drawdowns smaller, and and there's nothing that's the bottom line. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's there, if that's your temperament, if, if it can get them to where they want to go, there's nothing wrong with it. But if it prohibits them from accomplishing their goals, there's plenty wrong. With right, it. and that's why we always say it's important to do a plan with Spencer and Matthew, and to yeah. really know what. First of all, you have 
your goals and objectives, but second of all, what are your needs? You know, what do you need as far as, far as yeah. income? And, you know, and, and that's why it's important to make sure that those match and that if you need growth, you need it, but you're, but you're worried about volatility, yeah. then, okay, then we need to have another conversation. Maybe you need to bring your expectations down lower or you, or you need to invest for growth. Yeah. And a lot of these people right now, uh, that, that we work with are, are looking at, uh, leaving their kids money too. Right. And, and so sometimes the goal and objective can be, yeah, I want to leave, leave wealth to my children. And then to their children and their children. So we're talking multi-generational wealth to where if that's, if that's what you want to accomplish, then you likely need growth to make that happen. Yeah. There's no, there in so I whatever that goal. In, yeah. In if, case. if, if that's your goal to, to leave wealth to your children, you're not going to, then just turn off the you, TV and the computer and let us do our thing. You're probably not going to go out and buy a two year treasury. That's not, no, that's not going to build great, you know, wealth, build real wealth over time. So here's the last thing I'll say on that anchoring, which I think is really important. I used to, to go around teaching workshops and, and we would teach people what a trend is and what is the trend on a chart, right? And we would define a trend by higher highs. So if the S&P 500 makes a new high. And accompanied by that new high is a new low, a new higher low, right? So you've got higher highs, and along the path, you have higher lows. Yeah. And the only way you get to a higher high is if you make a higher low, right? And so if your account's at a million, really the only way it's going to get to 1.2 million is if it dips below a million, 900,000. 800,000. And then it goes to 1.2. Mm -hmm. And then from 1.2, 1. 950. To 1.4. And it's the higher highs and the higher lows. And that's what the market does. That's volatility. That's not risk. That's how money is compounded. And that's the price you pay for being in the market. That goes back to what I said about shaving 20% off of your value. Exactly. Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It, 20%. And it has to happen. You're right. For you to, to grow and become anchored, hopefully not, but to, to reach a new high in your account. Yeah. You can't do it with 4.8% treasuries. That's plus 1%, plus 2% after inflation. Anyway. Yeah. Own great businesses. I'm speaking to customers right now. Look at your portfolio. Look at the businesses you own. Ask yourself, are these good businesses? Ask yourself, do I think these businesses will be worth more three, five, and ten years from now? I think most people, when they ask, their, ask those questions to themselves, they'd say yes. Yep. And that's ultimately... Would I trade yeah. ownership in this business? For the security of a two-year treasury? Uh, no. I Probably, you know, but that's the question you should ask. Yeah. You know, if you, if you want that, you know, dampen some of the volatility, that's what a two-year treasury is going to do or a five-year or a 10-year treasury, yeah. but you're going to give up some growth. Yep. I like it. That's the trade-off.
I hope I hope this helps uh, as people listen to this and they understand the psychology. And it truly is amazing to me. The goals and objectives of people change based on market conditions. That's human nature. That's human nature. I, I know. I get it. And I'm just hardwired just to look at a piece of paper and the numbers on a piece of paper and, okay, that looks better than this, right? And leave all that other crap to the side. But that's hard. It is. Not everybody's, I mean, we've trained ourselves to, to be able to handle the volatility. And, uh, we know that not everybody, this is not their, this is not what they do for a living. This is what we do. We've studied markets. We've studied psychology, psychology, invest, psychology and investing is so important. Huge. And to understand it's, it's very, it's, it's very important. So if you're struggling with the psychology on, on, your side, right? Clients I'm speaking to. Reach out. We'd love to talk to you about it. And and we hope these podcasts help. But I would say this. If you're nervous, eh, we might go down another 10, 20%. I don't know. But as soon as that new bull market begins, history and the returns and the probabilities attached with that are pretty dang exciting. Giddy up, Brian. That's right. All right. Until next time. Bye-bye. This is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized financial advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's financial situation is unique, and the topics discussed on this broadcast should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized advice. Specific financial securities discussed are not intended to address any listener's particular financial situation and should not be considered recommendations. This is for educational purposes only. For more information, please contact Iron Gate Global Advisors at info at or by calling 888-591-0334.